welcome to the Dharmic Park Podcast Show. Over the last five years, this show has trained seven new podcast hosts and production technicians have recorded it, edited, and produced the show. This show is a great way to get to know the Dharmic family a bit better and help build community. We're your hosts, Evan and Cheyenne. Today, we will start with the land acknowledgement. We would like to acknowledge that the Abbotsford School District is located on the traditional and unceded territory of the Stolo people the Simath, the First Nations, and the Mathwi First Nations. With this, we respect the long-standing relationships with the Indigenous nations have to this land as they are the original caretakers. The Abbotsford School District acknowledges historical and ongoing injustices that Indigenous people endure in Canada, and we accept responsibility as a public educational institute to contribute towards revealing and connecting miseducation as well as renewing respectful relationships with Indigenous communities through our teaching and community engagement. On today's episode, we will have a conversation with our Indigenous support worker, Ms. Shea Boone. You are in for a treat. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Ms. Boone. So let's get get started. Hey, Swale, Ms. Boone, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Hey, Swale. Would you like to take a moment to introduce yourself? Of course I would. My name is Shay Boone. I'm the Indigenous Support Worker for Dormick Park Elementary, and I also work for Blue Jay Elementary, too, on Mondays. You have a lot of roles here at Dormick Park. Would you mind telling our listeners all the great things you do here at our school? Of course, I would love to. Yeah, it is true that I do wear a lot of hats. Um, uh, Most of my roles are working with the Indigenous students in the school, and I help them with uh, literacy. And also I do um, support them with learning about their Indigenous culture. I am also a cultural teacher and go into the schools in the classrooms and teach culture inside the classrooms. And I also help with the teachers um, and support them in learning and teaching culture in their classrooms as well. Um, I also help with the families and if they need any extra assistance like food or resources for housing and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, that seems to be most of my role. (laughs) I'm so glad I actually have someone like you in the school to actually help all the students, you know, learn their past heritage and everything. So thank you for that. You're welcome. I also do uh, teach the Halkamalam language in our schools. Um, Most of uh, the students and people don't know that the Halkamalam language is a lost language um, that uh, was lost during the time of uh, the residential schools. We only had one uh, person who was left with the language. So we're trying to bring the language back into the school. So th- when I say things like a swale, it means hi, um, hello. Uh, so if I say Miss Boone tell squee, that means my name is Miss Boone. Things like that. Um, we learn numbers. We also I'll bring in language like stakoya is um, wolf and pipawam is a is a frog. So there's just certain words I bring into the school to bring back that language and and respect the language that has been lost. That's beautiful that you're bringing that back. That's amazing. Thank you. And what does it mean to be indigenous? So indigenous 
means that you are somebody that has lineage of the people who lived here before colonial times. So before the Europeans settled in Canada, meaning that your bloodline is related to the people who lived here before that happened. Uh, some people have very close connections with their family lineage, like the Stolo people. A lot of the Stolo people have uh, know who they are and where they come from. But there's a lot of people, like many Métis people and Cree or uh, Mohawk people who have kind of lost their lineage and where they come from. So that's why I'm here is to help um, them to find their lineage or to help them research on that. I actually just found out for me that six years ago that I had Cree background and as I've been researching in the last couple years, I found out that my ancestors are uh, Pierre Parenteau, which he was uh, Louis Riel's best friend. Yeah, so it's really, really interesting and really exciting because the more I find out about him and the more I research, the more I'm learning about how my family lost the Indigenous background and how they kept it quiet because of the way that the Canada government had overtaken uh, the, the uh, Indigenous people and, and how they kind of suppressed our, our way of life so sad but thank you for bringing that back and like bringing back their language and their culture that's amazing thank you it's been a it's been a it's been a road <laughs> and it, you know it's just the beginning like I feel like we're at a stage where we're just starting to see the light and people starting to open up about their indigenous culture and and starting to want to learn about it and share stories. So I feel like this is just kind of the beginning of something that's even going to be bigger, uh, especially in our schools. Next year, um, I heard that our curriculum is changing. Um, uh, next year, 2023, the grade 12s are going to actually have to do uh, It's an Indigenous education class. So they have to have that credit to graduate starting next year. Wow. So we will have to hire on a whole bunch of new Indigenous teachers um, that will be teaching just basic Indigenous culture to the grade 12s. I think that's amazing to teach them that. It's going to be good for their life, and then they can like know what came before them. And they can teach their children, if they know enough, that language as well. So I think it's amazing that they do that. I think it's amazing that everybody's so open about learning. Can you describe how Indigenous education is embedded in the student's curriculum? So um, the student curriculum is based on Indigenous teachings, um, mostly about the Stolo life. Um, we try to base our teachings on with the land that we're living on. So right now we are on the Samath and Mathaqui First Nations, um, which is part of the Stolo Nations. And so what we try to do is base our teachings about how they lived prior to us living on this land. So uh, the long houses they lived on and the pit houses they used to build during the winter times and the fishing stories and the coho salmon stories and the powwows they used to have and the dances and the jingle dance and, and just try to 
give an idea as to like how that was, even like Samath Lake and how how it was taken away from the indigenous people and and that was their main source of food and and living and how it was uh, some of the culture was taken away f from them. So it's just opening kids' eyes to the world that is around them that has now become more industrialized, has become more, um, you know, city life instead of cultural indigenous life. So that's basically basically where I'm. I've based most of my teachings. I also try to make things fun and um, interesting and lots of art and then I love art and I love teaching art to the students so I bring a lot of art into it and and design and even as as you guys know we did um I, wait just adding one thing sure. so uh I went to this after school art class yeah and I think you were right beside us doing this indigenous art is that correct yes I was mm -hmm. Yeah, so I do that after school. Actually, I forgot about the after school program. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> See, that's what I mean. I have a lot of hats and I sometimes forget what hats I'm wearing. <laughs> but yeah, I do have an after school program that I do teach um, Indigenous culture to the Indigenous students in our school. And I do bring a lot of crafts and art and stuff like that too. And and tie it on with a lesson too about the, the history and, and their lineage. So That's amazing. Thank you. Would you mind telling us a traditional story? Of course, I'd love to share a traditional story with you. Um, so there's the coho, how the uh, coho salmon got his hook nose. We actually did the story three years back. Um, I think I remember it a bit. You might have been in that I classroom. I've heard, I've heard it before. Yeah, I actually, we made a video on it. So... Um, it's about, uh, there was a female and a male salmon that went into the ocean, and they lived there for three years, and they were coming back through the Fraser River to go back to the spawning ground. And uh, the they were swimming, and the it was getting really, the water was getting really rapid and hard to swim, so they found a spot to rest behind some rocks and rested for a little while. And then they started to, to swim again. And as they're swimming, it started getting a little bit more treacherous and, and harder for them to uh, swim. And eventually the, the wife was just like, I can't swim any heart longer. I'm too tired. And so the husband said, it's okay. I'll, I'll swim. You hook onto the back of my tail. So she hooked her nose onto the back of the tail while he swam along. And he was starting to get tired from the amount of swimming he was doing. So he finally saw some branches that were coming out of uh, the top of the water. And so he swam up and held onto the branches. So every so often he would stop and rest and then he'd keep going and then rest again. And eventually they got to the spawning grounds where they spawned. And that's the story of how the coho salmon got the hook nose. Wow. What a beautiful story. Thank you. <laughs> I'm actually really happy you said that because it just reminded me of actually a lot of past stories I've heard. I don't know how, but it just pops up in my head from other stories I hear. So thank you for saying that. You're welcome. I love I love 
entertaining the students with um, verbal stories and getting them to tell me verbal stories because that was the way that they shared stories. We didn't have books back then. And uh, so they would always share stories uh, with their families and the the parents, the grandparents would tell the stories to the kids and the kids would hear the stories over and over and over again. And they would learn to remember the story so that they can pass that story down to their par children and then their children can pass it down to their children. That's why a lot of these stories are past stories from thousands of years ago because they've been... Um, just passed down through generation and generation. And it's really, really interesting. And I feel very blessed to be able to share some of these stories that have been passed down about the myths and the, the lifestyle that these people lived. Thank you for teaching us this. You're welcome. Okay, here it is. Do you have a funnier, embarrassing childhood memory or story that you would like to share? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it uh, has been a show tradition to ask our guests to this question. I, okay. Let me think. Be ready. Uh, are you ready? Okay. So my family lives in a little hick town just north of uh, Winnipeg. And my cousins and I, we get bored very easily because they live on like a bigger piece of land. Oh, and it's Stonewall, Manitoba. That's exactly where it was. And it's and it literally is like one, two cross streets and a couple of like little, like streets of houses that surround it. Wow. And it hasn't really changed much since I was like seven when like every summer my parents would always drive us to Winnipeg and I would go visit my family and they would have a huge potluck and there would be hundreds of family and mm. yes we'd watch the pig roast on a spit and turning oh. yeah oh, I, <laughs> water now. I, want, I want bacon now oh well I the worst part was watching the pig hang out for a bit before that and then all of a sudden the next day it was it was not hanging out with us anymore <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I know. And then so me and my f my cousin used to get really bored. So me and her drove out and met up with a couple of her friends. And we decided to go uh, to a corn maze at night. Ooh. And um, we snuck into the corn maze and we're having corn maze oh fights in the middle of this guy's farm. And <gasps> it was like the harvest moon because it was a full moon. I remember it being the harvest moon. And and. And literally, I'm running through this corn maze, and I could feel myself, like, ducking for cover. And there's, like, every, you could hear people all over the corn maze going, ow, ow, ow. And, like, it was, like, it was so <laughs> funny. And then all of a sudden, you hear the farmer, hey, who's out there? And then we're all scattering to go to our car and <laughs> drive away. Yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And the fact it wasn't even your corn maze. I know. We were a little bit rebellious back then. <laughs> that random guy's corn maze. Yeah, he probably wasn't too impressed with us. <laughs> I should he, write him a letter. Did he ever <laughs> did he ever find out? No, he never found oh. out. Yeah. He's probably, well, he's probably in his ages right now. He's like, hmm, I still don't know who was in my corn maze. <laughs> he probably thinks it's the the next door neighbors or something probably wouldn't have no idea it was us but yeah wow. I know we did some silly things when we were kids but that's what we you know that's what it means to be a kid back when we were kids we had things to do and and well we made up things to do and we all hang out outside we weren't allowed inside literally our parents would say 
don't come back till the streetlights come on. <laughs> that so. seems way funner. I wish I was in your age. Honestly, <laughs> so boring nowadays. Honestly, Aww. I feel like um, way back in those days, it was way funner than it is now. Like, I know we have, like, all this electronics, and it'll help us learn and stuff, but sometimes I kind of just wish it was back in those ages because we are always outside, and it would be way funner. Yeah, I think back before technology was invented, like, our parents just wanted us out of the house. They didn't really care where we were. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, no. now everything's so censored and stuff, and we have to be, like... Mm-hmm. protected it's like we're kids we have to learn somehow right get out get outside get outdoors and go enjoy it especially now that the sun's coming out you guys should be outside and adventuring around trying to catch frogs Ta- and talking about like having corn fights <laughs> <laughs> well I, I don't recommend that this, well, I that don't is not recommended by me <laughs> so don't go around doing um, that talking about like the sun and stuff there's been like 18 weather changes in oh. one day yeah it hailed today it yeah. hailed today it was sunny and then it hailed and now it's cloudy and i, I don't even know what's happening but how just like how <laughs> Thank you, Miss Boone, for taking the time to be here on our show. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed being here with you guys. That was such a great conversation with Miss Boone. It must be hard having all those roles at this school, but she does such a good job. I 100% agree with you. I also want to say that it's amazing how she's such a strong advocate and support to the Indigenous culture. I also wish that I could hear more stories, but that was awesome. I would like to hear more stories, too. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in this episode. We are your hosts, Evan and Cheyenne. Goodbye. Goodbye. We are episodes. <laughs> we are your episodes. <laughs> Hi, I am episode. <laughs> I am episode two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs>